Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. We are really the ones who are awake. The Bible says awake unto righteousness and sin no more. What is the past tense of awake? To be woke. But then we let the world tell us what woke means. And some of those people, I see their post and they push, they, they put it on the hashtag woke. And I'm like, nope. You may be awake from one dream, but you're still in another. Oh, yeah. Many people don't even know what reality is. Because they've been so accustomed to being, go, to being in dreams. They go from one fantasy to another fantasy. To the point wherein when they wake up from slumber, they think they are truly awake unto right. The Bible did not just say awake. The Bible says awake unto righteousness. Because I can be awake from one level of stupidity into another level of foolishness. And be patting myself on the back and say, now I'm woke. Even though spiritually I'm broke. Many people are in that state of mind. But the Lord is saying that y'all are not. So we're not. That's why we're here. Right? The Bible says they that sleep. When do they sleep? Yes, come on now. I've got a witness on someone's phone now. The Bible says those who sleep, sleep at night. And what is this? This is nighttime. And I'm not just talking about the fact that it's 7 o'clock, but I'm talking about that, the fact that in the dispensation of things, we are at night. Because the wind blows at night. And we see the wind, the four winds of destruction are coming upon the earth. We know we are currently in the era of the third man of the apocalypse. We know that the night has come. And so if the night has come and you are standing in the house of the Lord, what does that mean? It means you are not asleep. You have to be asleep to be going with every wind of doctrine. What the devil is doing, tossing people to and fro. You only toss people to and fro when they have refused to get up from the hammock. Because when, you're, when someone is sleeping and they're rocking on the hammock, you can just continue to toss them to and fro. And the more you toss them, the more they snooze. And the louder they snore. But you and I were standing on our feet. I know, I know that some of us have yet to put our sandals on, but at least we're standing up. I know some of us don't even know where our robes are, but at least we're standing up. And that is the reason why the Holy Spirit is saying, say to them, especially to Jaden, and that's because you just gave me. Just wanted to get your attention. <laughs> the Lord said, say to them, I need you all to grow very quickly. Yes. You know, on Sunday, on Sunday, I did commend all the people who came to the microphone on Sunday who prophesied because they're growing. You see what I mean? Growing in grace, growing in the ability to love others unconditionally, growing in the ability to be able to prophesy. All four or five of them said the exact same thing. When Will was asking me, Pastor, what do we call the title of your message on Sunday? I said, look, my message on Sunday, whatever that was, was essentially a continuity of whatever y'all had been saying. And you guys were speaking on the order of praise. Because praise comes before the battle. And the battle comes before the victory. But many of us have been taught by the world to only praise after we receive the victory. And that is the reason why we remain bankrupt in trophies. 
because we have the order wrong. On Friday, by the grace of God, I had an opportunity to be at Harvest International, the ministry committed into the hands of our brother Willard and Krista. And I just want to thank you all so much because almost every time we invite you here to come and teach and minister, we just shake your hands afterwards and give you coffee. But when I went in there, not only did they give me coffee and give me water, they gave me cookies and gave me a check. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you for how you honor the gift of God and for calling me unto repentance. <laughs> My wife was like, what? They gave you a check? I said, I know. And I took it. I'm so shameless. Because <laughs> when they came to communion, they spent a whole day training and teaching on evangelism. And what did we do? We didn't even give them a t-shirt. Where's Will? But we thank God because at the end of the day, look, these meetings, one of the places, like I was saying, when I was at your house on Friday, I said one of the most, one of the most, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, um, uh, one of the most cogent experiences that I've had in the realm of the spirit, I had at your meeting. The trance that the Lord took me into in 2015. And anybody who knows me knows that I've, I've, I speak about that trance all the time. Maybe I need to make a t-shirt. In 2015, I also saw the Lord. Remember Isaiah, the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord seated on the throne. But where I was going with that was at that meeting, I reminded us of praise. And these guys weren't even there. It was only Will that was there. But after time, he was trying to do the Facebook live. So I don't even, I'm not sure he heard the message. But then at the end of the day, when he was speaking, when my wife was speaking, when Manuelita was speaking, when Chris was speaking, they were speaking about the order of praise, about the fact that the Lord is going to build. And our job to do as the Lord is building his church is to praise. Yes. And I'm not just talking about singing songs. Singing songs are great, but letting our lives praise him is what's key. I think Sister Gina gets it right. Let's be seated. Yeah, I was going to keep talking and then I saw her trying to examine her seat because she's like, yeah, here we go again. We might as well just sit down. Hey, John and Alice, how are you guys? Awesome. And um, the beauty of it is this. We need to live a life of praise. And a life of praise, when we were growing up, was described to us as a life of sacrifice. I remember back in the day, we used to sing a song titled, Sacrifice of Praise. I'm not sure if you all sang it, because I think it was a song that was mostly sung in West Africa and in the Caribbean. And it goes like this. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. As we offer, as we offer unto him. Do you not know that version of it? Is that the Nigerian version? Praise the Lord. I'm ex oh, there's a Chinese version? We'll save that for second service. Oh, yeah. But I tell you what, I'm glad that we all know the song. I mean, most of us do know the song. Those of us who are old timers. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time. The, the thing about the song, Sacrifice of Praise, is for me, being a child at the time, it helped me to start to think about praise as something you do, not out of excitement or emotional satisfaction, but something you do as a conscious and intentional exercise to demonstrate and to express your faith. To demonstrate and to express your faith. And so, as the Lord is calling us today unto growth, 
One of the things that we need to recognize is as growing believers, there are certain things. In fact, I'm, let me just quickly do this. I believe it's going to help somebody. I want to give us four things just very quickly that would help you know that you are growing as a believer. The first thing is when you learn how to praise God when you don't feel like it. When you learn how to praise God when you don't feel like it. When you just give your life to Christ. Many of us, we have that experience when we have just given our lives to Christ. Before you call, the Lord will answer. Almost everybody you meet is an angel. Almost everything that you pray becomes a testimony. And it's like, wow. And you're praising God all the time. But then after a while, it's almost as if God gets tired of you like an old toy and shoves you aside. And then it's like, wow, what's going on? Nobody ever said this part was coming. You know, somebody once asked, he says, does Christianity expire? Well, the, the reality is it does. Christianity at various levels expires. And so we need to learn how to forget, how to put behind us those things. He said, Paul was saying this. He said, I know certain things that I have accomplished for the kingdom, in the kingdom, by the kingdom. He says, but I put those things behind me and I continue to pursue what is ahead of me. Forgetting the things that are behind. Many of us don't know how to forget the things that are behind. We don't know how to forget that there was a time that when you were still a baby Christian, you will make a lot of mess. And it wouldn't show because the Lord has his holy pampers on you. Oh yeah. So you go to places, you make a mess and you get away with it. You see what I mean? We make a lot of mess and we get away with it. And that's because God is like, well, I haven't party trained him just yet. So let him keep doing that. But then as you grow older, he expects for you to start to engage him and communicate. Many of us, when we first gave our lives to Christ, we didn't even take time to learn how to pray. Because all you do is you cry and God feeds you. And now I shall becoming a spiritual teenager. You still want to cry. And God is like, no, not in my house. We don't do that here. Here, we communicate, we talk. Just imagine how frustrated you would be if you give birth to a child in your house and all the language that you know how to speak is English, but your child is speaking French. How sweet as French may sound. The boy or the girl, child, will become dysfunctional in the house because they cannot communicate with you. Many of us are growing up in the house of the Lord, but we are speaking the language of the world. And, that, and you wonder why God is not speaking to you? Because he's still waiting for you to have a conversation. It's like when you're ready, you will speak the language of this house. You know, I remember a while ago, <laughs> we were going somewhere, we got in the car and... At the time in Nigeria, the rate of accidents had gone up quite astronomically. And so whenever people are traveling, they would pray, especially if it was going out of town. So we got in the car and this person said, oh, let us pray. And as soon as they said, let us pray, I smelled fear. I'm like, I'm not praying. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, no. I said, because you're not praying because of any other reason other than the fact that you're afraid that you could die between here and there. And the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. There was such a holy anger that rose within me. Because I'm like, no, this is what we always do. We'll pray when we're afraid. And we'll praise when we're excited. 
That's what children do. They cry when they're uncomfortable, whether as adults. What do you do? You speak. You have a conversation. You seek a solution. And if there's none, you be the solution. And so at the end of the day, folks, praise when you don't feel like it is one of those things that helps for you to recognize that you are growing in grace. In fact, that's the second thing. The first thing I told us about three weeks ago, no, actually four weeks ago, it might have been on a Tuesday, three or four weeks ago, I said to us in here, I said, look, growing in grace and growing in the kingdom is characterized by you recognizing the difference between your privileges and your responsibilities. Many of us want to talk about the grace of God all day. We want to talk about the privileges that we have in Him. The privileges that we have in Him, such privileges as His banner over you being love. So you want to talk about the privileges of the fact that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You want to talk about the privileges of knowing that when you are absent from the body, you will be present with the Lord. We talk about our privileges all day, but we forget that according to the order of the kingdom of heaven, every privilege administered by the Almighty is administered for the fulfillment of a responsibility. But when we are babes in the Lord, our focuses are always on our privileges. Every time many believers or many Christians, I like to make that distinction, because when you grow as you should, then you are a believer. But when you're not, you're a Christian. You have the form of godliness, but you're denying the power. You see, many Christians, you know what they do, Chris? Is every time they go to God, their prayers are always centered on their privileges. If they can't sleep, they go to God and pray. And say, God, your word says, you give your beloved sleep. Give me sleep, that my sleep may be sweet, that my sleep may be sweet and sound. There's nothing wrong with asking for your privileges to be activated every now and again. But it should not be the only thing that comes out of your mouth every time is the things of your own pleasure. When you're not happy, you pray for things to change around you so that you can be happy. When you feel like there's no money in your pocket, rather than for you to see that as a privilege to stop going out and wasting time. You know, most times when you're broke, you're more sensible. I don't know about you, but there are times when I've been so broke that I had no choice but to get close with the Lord. Because being with the Lord was cheaper than going to the movies. I can stay in my house. I just say, God, are you there? And he says, I'm always here. I'm like, oh, that's good. What are we doing today? You see what I mean? And then when your friends call you, you don't answer the phone because you don't want to admit to them that you can't even afford your own meal. We were watching the comedy the other day, my wife and I, and the lady was like, you have only $5 in your pocket and your friends call you to go out to lunch and you answer. She says, that is boldness. <laughs> I call it foolishness. <laughs> but let me tell you something. There are times wherein you find yourself in a situation wherein you do not have the abundance of natural resources. Rather than ask and say, God, is there a reason why this is going on? Am I missing something? We don't even wait to hear what God is doing. Whereas, in fact, your life has all been penned by the hand of God, everything that happens to you. You know, Jesus did not really tell us as much how his life was the unfolding of the will of God as much as he said it when he was about to go to the cross. He was about to go do the most deadly thing. And he says, the son of man goes as it's been written of him in the volume of the books. Many of us don't know that when we were broke, it was written by the hand of God so that we might be broken. 
But then your prayer is always like, God, I'm broke, I need money. Oh, give me money, give me money. And the Lord is saying, well, if only he knows that the last thing he needs right now is money, he will shut his mouth and listen to what the Spirit is saying. There is this obsession with our privileges that draws us back continually and allows for us to remain children rather than inspire us to grow. There's nothing wrong with having godly privileges. Kingdom privileges are amazing. The privilege of knowing that you have the Holy Spirit, the comforter. So when you feel a little bit of discomfort, you can ask him to comfort you. But do you know the reason why the Holy Spirit was given to comfort the believer? Think about it. The believer has a responsibility. I was teaching somewhere over the weekend and I reminded the people that in Isaiah 45, the prophet Isaiah started to prophesy about the church. And in case you don't know, when you start reading from Isaiah 45, what you're reading there are not the things that happen in the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the things that are happening in the end of days. The very last chapters of Isaiah. That's what's going on. And that is the reason why you start from 45 by the time you get to 60. The man is, is already intoxicated with the goodness of what he was saying. And he was yelling to the believers that he was seeing in his vision and was saying to them, Arise and shine, your light is come. He was like, if only we had the kind of light that you have, we would rise. But look at you. Your light is coming, you're still there. Looking like a light bulb. But here is the deal, folks. Isaiah says, you are Cyrus. The anointed and the chosen ones of God who have come out from the nations who would not bow to mammon but know that their help is in God. Why would he say that? Why would the Bible say that? Because of the fact that we are the ones that will possess the gates of our enemies. The word Cyrus means the possessors of the furnace. The ones who go to possess, to possess what is in the furnace. And the reason why we have been given the Holy Spirit is because only the Holy Spirit can comfort us when we are that close to the fire. So the comforting of the Holy Spirit is not just so that you can sit there and be having the wind of heaven fan you when you're not even breaking a sweat. I remember the song, I believe it was by Christy Lane, that says that my house is full but my field is empty. Who will I get to go for me today? Many of us as God's children will just love to sit around the table. They're just always eating at the table of the Lord, but never wanting to go to work in his vineyard. We need to awake unto righteousness and no longer continue in the place of falling short of the glory of God. Our privileges are great, but when you don't find yourself exercising or activating the privilege because of a need that you have pursuing the kingdom, then you are setting yourself up for spiritual gluttony and obesity. Because many of us have taken in so much of the goodness of God. We are already overweight with the glory of God. With the grace of God. Not the glory of God, the grace of God. Overweight. And so let me tell you something folks. Every time you think about something that is available to you as a believer. Can I tell you some of the things that are very abundantly available today? Dreams. Visions. Prophesying. Because the spirit of the Lord has been poured out. And that is the reason why sometimes today even you prophesying and you don't even know it. You don't even know. You see what I mean? And that is because it's been so, it becomes so abundantly available. But what happens is we trivialize the privileges that are abundantly available when we become comfortable where we're at and comfortable with the grace of God. 
So I want to encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, as the Lord is calling us to grow, let's watch out for those two things. Now, let me tell you the third one. The third thing that lets you know that you're growing is because you start to see the blood of Jesus differently. I'm going to explain that because that one is a little deep. You see, many of us, when we're growing up, we don't see what our parents do to make our lives happen. We only see what they're not doing to make our fun complete. When your friends are going to Disney and your parents are going to Atlanta Zoo or just going to the aquarium down the road, you look at them as though they have failed in life. Uh, James next door, their father is taking them to Disney. The other day they went to Universal. They traveled, they get on the plane. But you, we've gone from aquarium to the zoo and now you're saying that we need to go and watch what? We're not watching anything with you on Lake Lanier today. The sun sets every day. What difference does he make? That is the way most of us are. We don't see what they do to make our lives possible. We only see what they seem not to be doing to make our little fun complete. Do you know that many of us are so fixated on what God has yet to do for us that we forget what he has already done for us? But as you begin to grow, your appreciation for the blood of Jesus just begin to grow. And you see, with that intense appreciation for the blood of Jesus comes the sense of responsibility to say, you know what? I got this today, Father. I will go and pray for that person. I will go and intercede for that person. I know your heart is broken over my brother who no longer comes to church because you miss him. He doesn't even pray anymore. You miss hearing his voice. I will be the one to go and provoke him unto good works as your word says, provoking one another unto good works. I will do that simply because now I am beginning to reevaluate the economy of my spiritual existence by putting the blood of Jesus where it needs to be. It is high up there. Such a price that nothing compares to. But you see, if you are not growing in the spirit, most of the time, when anybody interviews you about where you are at in your walk with the Lord, or where things are in general, what will come out of your mouth is a complaint about something that you are missing as opposed to a praise over things that you already have. That is how we know we're growing. And the fourth one is this. One of the ways by which you know you're growing as a believer is your thinking becomes absolutely kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking says, for me to have, I have to give. That is kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking says, if love is being withheld from me by Elizabeth, I don't complain. I don't go moping around. Kingdom thinking says, you know what? If love is not flowing from here, that means there's not enough love. Because when love is abundantly present, it flows. And so if it's not flowing, I'm not going to be judging that person. I will be the one to then stand in the gap and begin to let love flow in the other direction. You see what I mean? Just imagine if the ocean keeps complaining that it's not getting enough water from the rivers. That's what a lot of us do. We see people that are struggling with a number of things, people who are still growing, and because now they're not feeding us, 
we that we have the abundance of the grace of God, we will stand there and be complaining. Some of us actually do that with our teeth open. Things that we should be ashamed of. We keep complaining that the world is not loving. We keep complaining that people are corrupt. We keep complaining about those things. But that is exactly what they're supposed to do. A non-believer is not supposed to be loving. A non-believer is not supposed to be nice. Well, they can be nice. It's just a human thing to do. But they're not supposed to be truly kind in the God kind of way. Because what you don't have, you cannot give. So when you grow, as you grow in the things of God, you begin to adopt the kingdom mentality that allows for you to be light in the midst of darkness and salt where there is no seasoning. A lot of the things that we complain about, now, let me, let me take this. My wife's been saying to me lately that, uh, well, lately, almost every analogy that you give has got to do with marriage. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's not intended by me. I did not suddenly say that I want to become a marriage counselor. But it's just because of the fact that things that the Lord is revealing to me about his relationship with us are things that are very much missing in many people's marital relationships. You see what I mean? And so here is the deal. You are in a relationship with somebody. Let's use the same husband and wife relationship. Many people keep saying, oh, my husband is not as romantic as he used to be. He used to take me out. He used to come up with all these ideas. But now, where are those ideas? I mean, he doesn't even think about them anymore. When I'm giving him all the hints here and there, he still doesn't get it. Let me tell you something. Wives, stop dropping just hints. Because hints don't become repentance in the heart of any man. You see, because the more hints you drop, the more frustrated you get. Simply because by dropping hints, you feel committed. You feel like you're doing something. But just doing anything does not guarantee the result that is needed. You see what I mean? If it's hot in this room, I can decide to start shaking everybody's hands. Does it make them cool? It makes me cool. Because it's cool to shake hands with people and say, Yo, what's up? What's going on? But then it doesn't make them cool. But I'm doing something. I can be sweating while shaking hands with people. But that's not what they need. I can keep all my germs to myself. Thank you. But I need to do something that will cool people down. And so this is what happens. After shaking hands with people like 40 times each. I sit in one corner and I said, I'm not going to that church anymore. I was shaking their hands and I was sweating while I was at it. And still... They weren't satisfied. But then is that what was needed? So that is what happens in marriages sometimes. We drop hints. But hinting is not what that man needs. What that man needs is the man needs to be renewed. Because you do not want the man from autumn to be your husband in winter. People have to transform from season to season. The Bible says in the book of Psalms chapter 1, David speaking, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. The Bible says that that man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living waters, bearing its fruits in its season and its leaves shall not wither. You know, for a very long time, I did not understand the relationship between bearing fruits and leaves withering. When you don't bear your fruits in the season, your leaves will wither. 
Remember the fig tree that had leaves. The Bible says from a distance the leaves were apparent. But on getting there, the Lord Jesus was expecting to find the pre-figs. Because the Bible says it was not the season of figs. And that is the reason why some Bible scholars closed their books, threw it out the window and said they're not doing Bible school anymore because this Jesus is so mean. The Bible says here, read it, Mr. Professor. It says it was not yet the season for figs. So why was Jesus angry that the fig tree had no figs? And for those of you who might be new to communion house, you may not have heard me teach on that subject before. It was one of those things that I had to go seek the Lord because nobody was telling me what I felt peace about. People made all kinds of excuses on Jesus' behalf. And Jesus is like, I didn't even ask them. They're just apologizing on my behalf. They call it apologetics, but I didn't send them. You see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> because all those apologetics and all those apologies. And so oh, Jesus was, he was really hungry. And you know, it's okay to be angry. You know, the Bible says be angry, but not sin. And you know, by the way, when you're hungry, you're not you. So Jesus needed a sneaker bar on the day to be Jesus. Yeah, he was hangry because he was hungry. And so for a moment, Jesus was Judas. You know, people have said all kinds of things. Let me tell you something. But in reality, what people did not know is this. Before figs come, what do you have? You have knobs. Knobs are the same figs, but in the season prior. But they are also edible. And the reason why the knobs are there is because of people that are passing by the travelers. God so ordained it such that the travelers have access to eating the knobs. They did not plant the figs. So if it was already the season of figs, they don't touch the figs because the figs belong to somebody else. But at least you can eat the knobs. And so it was already the custom and the order of the day for travelers to find the knobs and to eat the knobs because the knob was the fruit of the season. And so when Jesus came, and the Bible says it was not a season of figs, it was another way of saying that it was the season of knobs. And it was like, well, okay, if you're not bearing your fruit in your season, then what are you using those leaves for? I am the Lord, not a goat. I don't eat leaves. Unless it's in a salad. I want nuts, but you have none. Now, when your husband or spouse, maybe husband or wife, maybe friend or parent or child is not bearing that fruit that is needed for that season, the leaves begin to wither. Leaves represent relationships. You see, because the leaves is what feeds the tree itself. Your relationships are meant to feed your life. And so everybody needs to bear fruits in their season. And so rather than dropping hints for your husband to transmogrify, or not transmogrify, to be translated from one season to another season, you are dropping hints, pointing him back to where he was, as opposed to encouraging him to where he needs to be. And someone is saying, oh, did you lose your train of thought? How does that relate to me growing in the, in the realm of the spirit? Like I was saying, you have a kingdom mindset which recognizes that not only are people supposed to be good and kind and fruitful, they are also supposed to be faithful at growing. So what do you do? You support the growth process. When I notice that my flowers aren't doing well, what do I do? I get some fertilizer, some manure, and I put it down because I want that person to grow. 
So the same people that you're complaining about who are not doing the things you want them to do. Let me tell you something. I told this to a friend of mine many, many, many years ago. He was complaining about his wife. And he was like, my wife just needs to understand that is just the way I am. I said, no, you need to understand that that is not the way you need to continue to be. He said, but I can't change myself. I said, no, nobody changes. We never change. We're the same people that we have always been. No one is asking you to change. Change is so difficult. Don't ask me to change because I don't want to. But ask me to grow. Because when you give birth to a child, at three months, that child has two legs. At six months, how many do they have? Two. But at six months, some of them are still not walking, but they have two legs. But then at nine months, they start walking. Is that because a third leg suddenly grows and they become a tripod? No. They don't change. They're still a human being with one head, two hands, and two legs. You see what I mean? But they grow. And when you grow, growth changes things. You see what I mean? And so here is the deal. Let us quit complaining about people who are not behaving right, whereas it is your duty to feed them. Imagine what it's going to be like when a mother stops feeding a six-month-old baby and saying, you've been sucking and sucking and sucking all these six months and you got nothing to show for it, so I will stop feeding you. That child is never going to walk. Let me tell you something what many people do. It's like a mother going for therapy or, or, or parenting counseling to say, you know what, I need counseling because my child is not walking at six months and I started, I stopped feeding them. Because a lot of people who go for marital counseling, they go for marital counseling to justify the reason why they stop loving their spouses. Not because, I mean, I can't keep loving you when you can't be faithful. I can't keep loving you when you remain stingy. I can't keep loving you when you don't even come with me to church. I can't keep loving you. I can't, and you keep talking about all these reasons why you can't keep loving them. But unbeknownst to you, the reason why they have been stagnated in their growth is because you're not feeding them. Because they cannot feed themselves. We feed each other. That's how we grow. Remember the big spoon analogy. We feed each other. And so at the end of the day, the responsibility and the onus is on you as a believer to recognize that the way you know you are growing is when you recognize how to allow things to die so that they can become manure in the ground for other things to grow. Let me tell you something. This is a hard saying, but the Bible says it is worthy of edification. There are times when some of the things that you are wanting for people to do are things that God is actually looking for you to kill. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There was a time I used to want my wife to come and sit with me downstairs every evening. This woman's been working all day. Sometimes homeschooling. Sometimes doing laundry. Sometimes doing all kinds of things. Attending to family, looking after some of the people that I should look after that I don't even remember exist. Because sometimes my cousins would text me, thanking me for their birthday present. And I'm like, I don't know you. Who is this person? But then apparently my wife, I sent them something. And some of them, she's not even met them before. But because they're my cousins, she looks after them. So she's been up all day doing things like that. Sometimes talking to my mom. My mom once called me from a number that I did not recognize. And I'm like, Wow, blood of Jesus. What is this? But apparently, she got a new number 
And it had been weeks and I didn't even recognize it. But my wife has been helping to keep the relationship going. And I'm so thankful to God because I believe I'm still in my father's will. That's not the only reason why I'm nice to my parents. It's just one of them. Yeah, I know. My mom knows me. I'm unapologetic about being nice to them. When I've been nice to them, I let them know. You see that landed property you have over there? <laughs> I like it. I'm not in a hurry, so take your time. Still hang around. But eventually, it is my destiny to inherit your belongings. It is false humility for me to pretend like I am not looking forward. <laughs> you see, but then at the end of the day, I would still want her to then spend all the time with me. It has to be about me. Me, 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 me. And then she would say, no, no, I need to, I need to go upstairs. And on one of those occasions, I got mad. I was so furious. I was like, I'm going to go upstairs today and start a fight. Because the Bible says, fight the good fight. And it is not good for a man to be alone. And I'm alone downstairs. I'm going to go upstairs and fight the good fight of faith. And I went upstairs, storming upstairs like David was about to attack Goliath. And I got there and she was ironing my shirt. And then I was like, you want, you want some hot chocolate? But let me tell you something. What I was fighting and what I was complaining about was something that the Lord wanted me to outgrow. The Lord wanted me to outgrow sitting downstairs when I'm tired. Because at night when I'm tired and I remain downstairs, that's when I become vulnerable and I start watching TV more than I should. That's when I start listening to fake news. Because when, the devil has been waiting to get you all day. And finally now you're tired. And it's like, oh, how is he going? You're like, oh, no, well, it's like, I saved that. Then he starts to use your weakness at that particular moment against you. The Lord wanted me to outgrow that. You see, many of us will complain like a child complaining. Imagine a two-year-old child complaining, or let's even say more than two, because we have a child in this house, I won't tell you who, who actually sucked the boobies until he or she was four and a half. But, you know, I don't want you to judge them, so I won't tell you who it is. <laughs> So I'm going to give an example that even me I'm comfortable with. Imagine a five-year-old child getting angry with the mother for not giving him breast milk. That which you are complaining about, God wants you to outgrow. He wants you to let it go. He wants you to put it, to put it down. Let it die. Because when it dies, it becomes the manure for you to grow and for your spouse to grow. Many things that we complain about. I was complaining about being, but I needed to grow and go upstairs. Because when I'm upstairs, I'm, a, I'm usually more studious or studious or whatever that word is. My, my mindset is of that of a person who wants to learn or who wants to sleep. One of the two. When I'm upstairs, I don't usually watch TV upstairs. No matter what you do, the TV is upstairs. They don't really appeal to me. But the TV downstairs is like, wow, it's like the golden calf. It's like, wow, every time you look at it, it's like, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. You see, but when I go upstairs, I start to unwind. I start to think the Lord would then have time to speak to me. Because in a way, it's almost as if the higher you go, the closer you are to heaven. It's okay if you live in a, ter in a, in a ranch 
Okay? Just go up in your mind. But then at the end of the day, folks, let us learn to be able to assess our own selves and see if we are growing. Why are these things important? Now that we have these four things, there might be more, but I just figured that I'd give us four. Maybe I should give us a fifth. Yeah, because there's one that I think you're going to love. <laughs> it's actually in the order of things like number seven, but I'm going to bring you to number five today because of time. You see, you know that you're growing when you no longer matter. <laughs> yeah, that is the toughest one. You know that you're growing the moment you don't matter anymore. And I'm going to say it one more time and then maybe so I think the only person that I'm thinking that's got it already is probably James. But I'm going to say it again. You know you are growing when you don't matter anymore. This is matter. Whatever you can feel, whatever you can touch, whatever you can see, that is matter. M-A-T-T-E-R. You see? But when you still feel like you matter, that means you're in the flesh. You walk by sight. You walk by feelings. That's when people can still hurt you for not coming to church. That's when people can still hurt you when they don't call you back. That's what happens when people hurt. You see, when you text somebody and they're like, sorry, who's this? And, and it breaks your heart because you feel like this. You know who you are. Who are you, my friend? They may have gotten a new phone. They may have just gotten LASIK or LASIK done in their eye and they don't see your name. On the phone. <laughs> sorry, that was a very personal joke. <laughs> I couldn't even look in the direction of the person that I'm taking the jab at. But then at the end of the day, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist, Josephine, I'm sorry. <laughs> you see, yeah, because at the end of the day, you just make all kinds of assumptions because you still think that you matter. You see what I mean? But until you get to that point where I mean, you don't matter anymore, it doesn't matter what people do to you. It's not that you allow yourself to be taken for granted, but it's just that you've come to recognize that, look, the less you focus on yourself or the less you bring yourself to the table, the more of the Lord is allowed to be seen. I was preaching to my wife this morning, the early hours of this morning because I couldn't sleep. So I'm like, okay, you sit down here, I'll preach to you. And I said to her, I said, do you remember my nephew's name the very first grandchild in our family his name is Emmanuel Toby the Toby part of his name is a Yoruba name which the full thing is Olua Toby which means the Lord is mighty so I said to her I said that name I didn't recognize how prophetic that name was for the longest the first name is Emmanuel Emmanuel means God with us Whenever God is with you, he is mighty. But when God is not with you, he doesn't seem to be as mighty. Now let me say this. God can never be any bigger than he already is. Because the Bible says in him all things consist. So there is no space outside of God that he can even grow to. And God cannot be smaller than he is already. Even if he were to be smaller, you and I can never notice. Because we live and move and have our being on his inside. And so if he shrinks in size, there's no way you're going to know. Because anything that he crushes while he's getting smaller in size ceases to exist. And the Bible says there is no remembrance of the dead. <laughs> so he, he cannot shrink, he cannot get bigger. 
But the only way that God can be mightier in your life is from your perspective. So here is the deal. If I am standing here and a skyscraper is a mile down the road, who seems to be bigger? I seem to be taller than that skyscraper. That skyscraper will look like a matchbox while it's at a distance. But the closer I get to the skyscraper, the bigger it gets. You see what I mean? So your proximity with God, the closer you get with God, or the closer God is to you, the mightier he is in your circumstance, in your life, and in your thinking. Right? So remember what happened to Adam and Eve when they were close to the Lord. They didn't have to put any clothes on simply because the glory of the Lord was so mighty over their lives. And when they allowed sin to constitute a dielectric and an insulator between them and God, they started to see that they were exposed because God has no shadow. What God casts is glory. So when I stand here, I cast a shadow. But the Bible says that with him, there is no favorableness. Neither is there a shadow of turning. You cannot turn when there is no space. There is no space around him, so you cannot turn. And so all of what he casts, he casts within, and it is glory. And so when he asked for where they were at, and they were like, oh, we're hiding because we have sinned and because we're naked. And he was like, well, first of all, who told you that? Because there's got to be someone who is outside that is telling you that you are naked. And how do you talk to somebody that is outside because you're no longer inside? The question God asked Adam, the very first question is, where are you? Where are you? You see, if you can still answer that question by saying, Oh, I am here. Okay. Then that means all life sees is you. But when God asks you, Where are you? And you say that I am no more. Because I do not matter. Then the very existence that you are supposed to occupy becomes the fullness of the image of God. That is why the Bible says, if we decrease, he will increase. And the reason why many of us are so full of ourselves is because Satan convinces us that we matter. He said to Adam and Eve, he said, oh, the reason why nobody regards you right now in the scheme of things is because you haven't eaten of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. The moment you eat it, you shall become like God. And he was preaching to them false relevance. Many of us, God has not had his way through us because we've not allowed ourselves to stop being all the significance that we know. When you grow in grace and you get to that level wherein you don't matter anymore, you know what that means? It means you are not of the natural anymore. You are not of the matter anymore. It's not about you, your emotions, your feelings, what you see. It is about you laying everything down completely so that Christ can be seen in you, the hope of glory. The way the Lord God Almighty taught me that lesson was in the year 2000. I believe 99 or 2000. I would enjoy being the life of the party. After lectures, I would go hang out with my friends and I would talk and make everybody laugh. 
at least they've made me feel like I made them laugh. It was probably part of the plot of Satan to keep me busy. So I keep going from one group of people to another group of people. And then the Lord started to call me out of there. Started to call me out of there and I wouldn't take your time because some of you have heard the story before. And I realized that the less time I was spending in that group or in those groups, the more I was able to discern the voice of God. And so one day I asked God, I said, how does this thing work again? Is it that you can't talk to me while I'm there and you have to bring me here? Let me shut everything out, including shutting my window so that light doesn't come in. One of these days, I'm going to tell you what my room looked like around that period of time. God even told me how to shut the natural light out of my room. Simply because sometimes when we see the natural light, we mistake that for heavenly light. That is the reason why most people are not afraid in the daytime, but they are afraid at night. The sun is not your protector. <laughs> and we story for another day. But then I learned to shut out the noise by insulating my room, shut out the light by having blinds that were created. So I said, God, is it like you're, are you shy? You don't want people to see that you're talking to me? Because when I'm here, I hear you. But when I'm there, I don't. And you know what he said to me? He said, every one of those people you're hanging out with, I made them in my image and in my likeness. He said to me, the more of their voices you listen to and the more of their presence that is in your life, the less of mine. He said, because there is a seat in your heart that is designed for this frame and other people can occupy it. So that is the reason why every single prophet that you find in the Bible, every single one of them went through a period of solitude and isolation. Not because God wanted to banish them to a life of loneliness, but it was because he wanted them to first of all recognize the distinctness, the distinctness of the voice of God. And then he can introduce them back into the pool and they will function just fine. I mean, you look at me today, I, I think I'm doing well. I talk to people, I smile, I laugh. I look like, you know, I can be almost normal. I say almost normal because my wife is here. My wife is going to tell you I'm not particularly overly normal. I do some really weird things. You see, last, last, last night she stumbled on me. I was chewing on my shirt. And she looked at me and she just kept doing what she was doing. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, I've seen worse. You see what I mean? So you don't totally recover from solitude as a prophet. You don't. You can do your best possible to shave like Joseph did when he was going to go see Pharaoh. But the people who know how to look at you, they can still tell you that, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? I mean, look at Moses. I mean, Moses never really fit in. He tried, you know. But then, yeah. No. But it didn't work. And when it was about to work, then he saw the shadow. He saw the he saw the God let him see his behind, which I've preached and explained before that there's nothing behind God. And so, but what God showed to him was his works. Because when God speaks, his works accomplish things. And when God allows for you to see his works, it gives you a very good depiction of who he is. And that was what Moses saw. And that was why he was able to write Genesis because he saw the backside of God. He saw where God was coming from. And God was coming from that place where he had created all things. Anyway, story for another day. Where I'm going with this is that I am going to close on this note. I want us to be reminded that it is our responsibility to partner with the Lord to grow and wax strong in spirit. 
simply because if we don't recognize those things and if we don't look out for those things in our life can we just quickly go over them once again the number one thing is you cannot allow yourself to continue to be obsessive about your privileges at the expense of your responsibilities every kingdom privilege is for a responsibilities for a particular purpose who remembers number two? Oh, come on katie oh yeah 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 oh there you go you learn to praise god when you don't feel like it women is no longer about how you feel but it's by recognizing that you know what i can give god praise in advance because now he owes me okay so now and you know god doesn't like to oh he says the one that gives to the poor lends unto me and i will pay let me tell you something if god has something and you want it right do something in his name he will pay you do, no do something in his name he will pay you he always does he always does there was a time that i was struggling to get my business off the ground in america i was struggling i was begging people for work and the little job opportunities that i got i was working as a subcontractor for other people and so they took the good part of the money and let me have the remnant even though the people who looked at me thought i was doing well but they didn't know it was just a remnant that I, oh yeah no 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 i was all sometimes i sometimes i would wake up in a hotel and not even know where i was i was running multiple projects there was a particular guy i was running so many projects for him and he was making so much money i would be going from plane to plane plane to plane and one day i called him say wait where are you he says i'm on the beach and i'm like wait a minute you are but the clients are asking for this asking for that he says yeah that's why you're there i was like ah now I get it. So the reason why I get the credit card and all of those things is that I can keep buying tickets and going all over the place and lodging in hotels room, hotel rooms that I don't even sleep in. So there are times when I would lodge into a hotel room, a very fancy one downtown somewhere and not sleep there. Simply because coming straight from meetings, I sit at the lobby on my computer and before I know what's going on, they're serving breakfast. And so I was like, okay, this has to change. But I didn't know how and the Lord came to me and it was like, I see you, you're chasing shadows. So what would you want to work for me? And what he told me to do, he was like, he said, I've got a couple of guys that need help. I want you to help be the consultant in their lives. And I laughed. I was like, God, I'm complaining right now as a consultant working for large corporations and from boutique consulting firms that I'm still broke. Now you want me to consult for these broke people? How are they going to pay me? And the Lord said to me, no, he said, look, I'm hiring you. I will pay you. And the Lord made sure that I drained every little bit of money that I had gotten from all those places so that there is, he doesn't want his blessing to mix with other people's blessing so that at the end of the day, when the time comes, at the end of the year, I'm doing my annual report. I'm going to be sharing God's glory with some other people. No, no, he wants all the glory. So the reason why sometimes God makes sure that he empties you out of your pride, empties you out of your accomplishments, empty you out of the little dignity that you think you have or that you think you desire is because at the end of the day, he wants what you contain to be exclusively heaven-branded blessings so that he gets the glory absolutely. So what's the third thing? Seeing the blood of Jesus differently recognizing that the blood is all you need recognizing that a sacrifice has already been made that is beyond the ones that you're asking for and then the fourth one kingdom thinking and what's the fifth one? Oh yeah yeah you don't matter anymore 
you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.